Welcome to the Open Petri Podcast for yet another episode. It's fantastic to have you listening along. Um, as we work through this time of COVID, I'm trying to definitely talk to different people in the industry who I know are going to have very different insights. And it's the event industry and especially everything that surrounds events has been, has been in big trouble. If, you, if you've listened to a couple of podcasts before, uh, I talked to Nicole from three uh, event 360 event buzz 360 it's 60 even um, about the event space and how much trouble that it's in. So it's fantastic to get someone I know who's going to be a fantastic guest and I'm sure a lot of fun. Melissa Breuer, the Prosecco queen. Melissa, thanks so much for joining me. <laughs> Pleasure. Um, yes. I actually uh, have a, networking lunch every Friday with Nicole from Event Bus. Oh, so no way. I've been, uh, we, we have a, a big Zoom lunch every Friday with a whole bunch of uh, female entrepreneurs from all over Australia and she's there every week. So it's really been um, good getting her take. So I'm definitely going to go and listen to that podcast once <laughs> release that. That'll be awesome. Yeah, it's fa- no, it's a fantastic podcast. Um, and I actually got, uh, got wind of you by um, uh, a gentleman called Julia Mero, who I knew yeah. very well from Queensland. <laughs> And cool. he said, you've got, to, you've got to have Melissa on the podcast. So um, <laughs> it's fantastic to have you on. Um, so let's talk about how you started out, you know, in the industry. I want to really get into why you centred on Prosecco. Um, I think that could be a podcast in itself. But <laughs> how did you start out in the industry, Melissa? And I can talk for hours on this, I swear. Um, <laughs> so I've always been an enthusiastic consumer of all things Italian. Um, mm-hmm. And I first tried Prosecco back in Italy in 2003 mm-hmm. and was like, wow, cheap, affordable, smashable <laughs> wine. This is great. Had very fond memory, memories of drinking a lot of it, came home and it was nowhere to be seen. I was like, oh, that's a bit sad. Um, and then went back to Italy in 2010 mm-hmm. and was like, oh, yeah, Prosecco, I remember you. You were awesome. Um, <laughs> and... Again, holiday, drinks by the pool, just constant everywhere you went there. It was, came home and went, where is the Prosecco? And found there, at that point, there was a little bit of Australian stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Brown Brothers and Del Zotto mainly, um, and Pazzini, of course, up in the King Valley. My husband was like, you realise there's a Prosecco in Victoria? And I'm like, get in the car. We're going. <laughs> and basically went up to the King Valley and was welcomed with open in arms with this incredible hospitality by all these beautiful Italian families and um, went, wow, this place is awesome and this drink is delicious and just really started um, uh, sort of researching more about it, asking a lot of questions. I had started a food blog in 2010 called Gastronomel, which I used to chronicle my adventures to Italy. It was really just so that my friends and family at home, I could sort of put this little blog on Facebook and hey this is what we did today um really just for my mum because she didn't know how to use the internet it was like just press this button on your iphone and up will pop a little story with photos and she's like oh it's magic um (laughs) and so i couldn't stop the blog when i came home i thought it would just be this little travel thing and then it was kind of quite addictive i've always done creative writing and always written for a living so Mm -hmm. i couldn't stop writing about restaurants and food and what i've been enjoying drinking and I love taking photos of things. So I just started this thing and it kind of became a bit of a juggernaut. And by 2013, I was 
becoming a bit of a nuisance on Twitter, you know, I was just rubbing on about things all the time and people would start drinking a glass of Prosecco and then tweet, hey, get Stradamel, I'm drinking Prosecco too. And I'm like, yeah, good on you. <laughs> and um, I was going up to the King Valley a lot. I was doing a lot of social media. This is pre-Instagram. So it was all just, you know, WordPress and um, mm. Twitter. And I was making T-shirts that said, keep calm and drink Prosecco and turning up to events and just, you know, <laughs> that crazy Prosecco bird again. Um, and then Catherine Brown from Brown Brothers, had um, invited me to a few things up up in the uh, winery up in Miller where they have all these beautiful festivals and stuff. And then they had a new vintage come out and she sent it to me at the start of 2013 with my name on the box and then it said the Prosecco coin. And I went, oh. I'll take it. That's cool. So I thought, yep, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. That's going to go on my business card. <laughs> um, and it kind of just took off from there with with me wanting to know more and more about it. Mm -hmm. um, and in 2016, sort of fast forward a few years of, you know, heaps of online interaction with people and, you know, in, in Instagram being incorporated into that, it was almost became a micro-blogging thing where I created a new identity called the Prosecco Queen mm -hmm. that was just going to be focused on wine mm -hmm. um, to separate it from the, the food side of things. Um, we went to Italy on a bit of a fact-finding mission because I had decided that there was so much interest around Prosecco in those years when I've been talking about it, but there was no one really um, just focusing on that as an education point, as where can I find all this information about all these different styles and the Italians make it like this and mm. with these specific grapes that they are allowed to blend in with it, you know, yes. all, all this kind of stuff. There was no one sort of place here that you could, you know, find that information. And I want to, that could be me. I could be that person. I like to talk, obviously. <laughs> um, and I did my first ever masterclass um, it was just for 20 people. I did it at South Press in South Yarra here in Melbourne, oh, wow. yeah. Um, yeah. upstairs in that beautiful room up there with my mm -hmm. gorgeous friend Marty McKay. Mm -hmm. And I invited Catherine Brown to help me do it and yeah. Mark from Vino Bambino. He had a beautiful Prosecco that he was importing called Salatin. Mm -hmm. um, and together with those two, I put together a masterclass with a tasting mat and, you know, here's a couple of Australian styles, here's a couple of Italian styles and sort of talked through those. Um, and I was like, yeah, I feel like I'd have more clout in my own mind if I'd actually been to the Prosecco Hills and seen this firsthand because I'd been oh. in the King Valley. I'd done, you know, trampled every inch of all oh, of the King Valley multiple times and, you know, Otto Del Zotto is like a second dad really i mean those guys we've got a house up in the king valley now and he and oh, his wow. wife we invite over for dinner every time we're up there just because they're so gorgeous um and so it's just it's i thought right i need to go to the source so i spent almost six months just plotting my my route through the prosecco hills um it's not like the yarra valley it's not like a mornington peninsula mm. Rock up, rock up to a cellar door and have a bite to eat and have a drink. You have to make an appointment everywhere. And yeah. there are so many wineries. And I really wanted to focus on, um, you know, not mass produced. I wanted to get to the heart of the DOCG wine territory, you know, the proper, yeah. you know, the, the hillside um, hand-picked wines and just kind of trying to pick out which one, where do you start and which yeah. one should I visit and, um, so I did end up going to Salatin, um, 
that I asked Mark from Vino Bambino, can you hook me up with your guy I'd love to go and visit because I love his wines and, and we had the most incredible day with him, um, Alessandro, and he's just a lovely man um, and he's winemaker. And so I ended up, we did um, 20 different wineries and tried over 100 Proseccos in that two and a half, three week period that we were just in that small region yeah. um, because each winemaker would have five, four or five wines. Yes. And that's what people don't realise about Prosecco. It's not, if you go to a Prosecco winemaker, he's not going to have, usually, he's not going to have a Pinot Noir and a Chardonnay and a this and a that. He's going, yes. no, no, I'm just Prosecco. That's Prosecco. all I do. Yeah. So here's my Brut Natur, here's my Colfondo, here's my Brut, my extra dry and my dry. So mm. you're sitting there with one guy tasting five in a row, you know, according to sugar levels and then going to the next winery and doing another five. and did mm. So um, that I sort of documented that whole journey with photography um, and uh, came home going, right, now I feel like I've got a solid handle on, you know, winemaking techniques and, you know, lengths of fermentation, you know, when someone picks something ripe rather than underripe or, you know, really ripe, how that changes the characteristics of that wine so much. And this hillside compared to that hillside, mm. you can't really um, uh, fully understand that until you see it for yourself. The, the difference that the, the hillside facing over there is getting this amount of sunlight, whereas over here it's going to get even more sunlight in the same, you know, daylight mm. hours, that's going to change the sugar content in the fruit. And it, that to me is really fascinating. So um, I came home armed with all this knowledge going, wow, now I can really feel like I can talk with a bit more authority on that. Um, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. I s sort of accidentally fell into importing wine. From <laughs> <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> I mean, we sat there with this wine maker that, was completely found by accident and that story in itself is a whole other podcast. Mm. Um, uh, started in the embassy in London with an Italian Prosecco chef that I was interviewing on the same trip and all random. Wow. Um, and um, so, yeah, so sitting there with this wine, my husband's like, man, we should take some of this home. And I'm like, yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> like how many aces are you thinking? And he's like, a palate. And I went, <laughs> how much wine's in a palate? He goes, well, probably about 600 bottles. I'm like, challenge accepted. I can drink that. And he said, no, 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 no. You're not going to sell it. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to sell it? I don't sell wine, man. That's not what I do. Mm. So I was, I had my own um, business doing consulting to small, um, you know, restaurants and bars doing social media, marketing, photography, yeah. PR, you know, mm -hmm. getting, doing blogger events, inviting food critics to come along and check yep. out to see if it might, you know, be worthy of a visit for the Good Food Guide, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of that work I generated through the people that I met along the way when I was doing my blogging and going to events and you know, going to openings and just building up a rapport with a chef and then, you know, going like, hey, come back and bring your husband and kid and then we just become friends and then it'd be awesome. <laughs> um, and so that was like my life for quite a few years that we would just always be you know, spending all our time, like our leisure time was basically just eating out and yes. going to as many places as we could to just try new things and, um, yeah, meeting some amazing people along the way, soms, restaurateurs, bar owners. Mm -hmm. um, so my husband's like, we know all these awesome chefs. You're really good friends with them. Why don't you just bring some wine home and see if they'd like to 
buy it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what could go wrong? If we can't sell it, I'll just drink it maybe. <laughs> um, That's what we did. So it kind of just started from there, which is completely random and accidental. And we, I think we ended up, the first, very first order was 18, I don't know, 1,500 bottles and wow. sold it within three months and went, oh, wow. okay, maybe this has got something to it. And then it was yeah. like, oh, why don't we get a container? Of, oh things. no! But um, so I'd started sort of just with my local restaurants and bars, like, "Hey, do you yeah. want to buy some wine?" Oh yeah, sure, I'd love to. It's delicious, it's amazing, it's fantastic. Wow, what other, what other wine do you have? I'm like, no other wine. I'm the prosecco queen. I have prosecco. Yeah, but you I already buy your prosecco. So say if you had a pinot grigio, I'd buy that as well. And you've got a really good palate. Like, why don't you get a red and I'll get that as well? And I'm like, oh, I did not see my life going like this. Um, <laughs> So, you know, no business plan, no yeah. nothing. Just jump in, both feet, let's go. So my husband said, well, we just need to go to Vinitaly then, don't we? And I'm like, yes. what? So he gets out the Gambetta Rosso book and he's, he did all this research and he's like, right, here's some really, really good rated wines. We sort of made a shopping list. We want a Pinot Grigio. We, want a, we wanted to concentrate on um, Veneto wine. So there was still that tie-in with, you know, the Proseccos from the Veneto. So yes. let's just yeah. let's say Pinot Grigio, a Suave, and then maybe... Val Policella, Amarone, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so he got out the Gambara Rosso and he's like, right, so here's the Suave section. I found five really good ones. I've double checked. No one in Australia is importing them. They're small, family one like us. And let's start with those. I'm like, right. Because okay. so, you get to Vinitaly and it is like the Disneyland on crack of wine. Like you can't, <laughs> if you haven't been, you can't even conceive can't of describe it. it yeah. Jeff Shedd buy 500 yeah <laughs> all wine every pavilion is a different region so there's tuscany there's the Minotaur, there's lombardy there's you know sicily and yeah. every single thing that they've got massive stands it's like some people spend two hundred thousand euros just on this stand and they have wow. michelin star chefs on the third tier of this stand cooking sit down lunches for their biggest customers from you know the uk or yeah. from america it's just insane and there's always you know there's all this beautiful food it's not like you know going to grab a pie you you mm. can go and have like a sit down lunch and you know with a glass of wine just to keep yourself going before you go to the next thing um was that overwhelming for you or was it just it was, bloody exciting oh it was the best like i <laughs> super dressed up every day i was like this is a fashion parade let's go meet some fantastic winemakers and it was ace it was so much fun except for the day that my husband forgot to stop and feed me and i got so hangry that <laughs> ended up having to leave and we walked separately back to the hotel because i was not feeling very great and i ended up ordering a lasagna from room service at like four o'clock in the afternoon smashed that down and i'm like all right i'm good i'm back let's go <laughs> it was just you, know, you have to you have to keep you have to keep your energy levels up and your and your food levels up, otherwise you can't, mm-hmm. you know, because you're tasting a lot of wine. As much as you spit out, you're still absorbing it. Um, and so we found all these wines and then we um, managed to make appointments straight after Vinitaly to then visit the top five of those wineries in person. Mm-hmm. So um, not just go to Vinitaly, and see someone at, you know, basically in a conference setting, yes. but actually then 
go right well we'd actually like to see a winery can we come and see where where this where this wine is from yeah. and you know, get some photos in the portfolio um and that was amazing um and so we ended up uh, with a 20-foot refrigerator container full of wine wow. <laughs> coming in um and yeah we've um ordered a few containers since then but with um i find it really i struggle with the compliance and reporting mm. and all that. i don't i don't struggle with it i can do it it's hate it. yeah yeah the importation of anything in this country and i'm not big enough to um you know be able to pull our bookkeeper or a team of people that are going to mm. do all that stuff for me i was yeah. I'm chief cook and bottle washer. I'm everything. I'm marketing. I'm sales. I'm everything. I do everything. Yeah. Um, And so um, with the uh, arrival of COVID, literally everyone shut their doors. Yeah. And they, you're like, hey, but y'all owe me some money over here. I got like (laughs) a grand of outstanding invoices here. Am I getting paid or what? And some of my customers made attempts to pay me bits and pieces during that time, which I cannot tell you how much I appreciate. Um, Others just went very, very quiet and um, others would email me to say, we know there's a problem and we know that we owe you money and we're going to do everything we can to get it to you. It's just going to take a while. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate that you've actually taken time to do that. Um, So that side of the business just fell off a cliff. Um, and then I've been running the Prosecco Festival for the last three years and we just started to hear a few murmurings about the COVID in January, I think, and the festival was the end of February. So we spent $1,000 on glassware. We'd spent money on, you know, tote bags and pens and printing and everything. And I was going, oh, it's just a flu. Is this just a cold? It's going to be fine. I had one person out of, you know, the, the almost 2,000 people that attended email me going, are we going to be allowed to come to the festival because of coronavirus? I'm like, what coronavirus? <laughs> come Seriously, on. I don't even know what that is. Isn't it in China? Like, is there, yeah. is there Yeah, I don't know. Um, and so I was just quite blasé about it all. It was sort of something that's, I don't really know what's going on, but, you know, let's just go here to the festival. Mm. And bugger me, like three weeks later, and I just think to myself, I just got out of that by the skin of my teeth because yeah. if that had been, the end of March. Like, I had so much money invested mm. in that mm. that there was no way to come back from that. Like I don't just have a spare $50,000 lying around where I can go, oh, well, you know, here's everyone's money yeah. back. I paid yeah. the guy glassware and it's already got printing on it. I can't return it. Um, and, yeah, so that was like, <sighs> mm. um, And now all I've had is people constantly saying, are we going to be able to do the press group festival? And I'm like, how would I know? I've got no, yeah, no, idea. no visibility on that at all. Um, so that's just a complete mystery. I don't know. And I normally would start selling tickets in October. Right. And I'm just like, you know what? Oh, when October comes, it'll be an email to all, the, all of the exhibitors going, if we can do this, would you still like to do it? Um, And it might be in a reduced format. It might be instead of two sessions in one day, we're allowed to have, you know, we might have half the people in each session but run it over two days. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we just have one day and reduced number of people but we have to put the price up so we can still cover all the costs. I don't know what it looks like yet. Um, But every other event that I do is a masterclass or a dinner. 
And the ways that I do those, I either do private ones, I make house calls. So I Mm -hmm. go into someone's house, they get friends to come over. I bring glassware, antipasto, all the crockery, lay all the food out, you know, pour out. We have, we try five or six different wines um, and I just leave the whatever's, whatever half drunk bottles with those people and and just sit there and have a nice time. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one way of doing my work, which obviously doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and the other way is to like book out a restaurant or a bar and have everyone turn up and do a masterclass, like a sit down dinner with a different course match for different Prosecco or, you know, just, you know, finger foods and, and, a, and a chat for an hour or so. Yeah. Um, again, all gone. And that's how I would get my retail orders because I would always have an order form with that and say, all right, uh, so whatever day, I can bring you in a six pack. Yeah. Um, the discount and I'll personally deliver it so you don't have to pay for delivery. And so I would get my retail sales, I would add them to my database and then that would be sort of supplementing the wholesale stuff where I wasn't getting paid. Yeah. Um, and so that's all falling off a cliff. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? Yeah. <laughs> and I really spent like when that all happened, I kind of just went, oh, well, that's it. I'm done. Job keeper, yeah, thanks. Right. I'll be yeah. looking for a job. I'm now on the dot. Amazing. So sort of I, I did go really deep down into a dark hole where I just went, well, I've just spent the last five years of my life building up something that just gone yeah. um, like hundreds of thousands of other people. Yes. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to have to get a job now, like yeah. work for someone else. I'm like, Dan Murphy, is anyone there? <laughs> there? I can talk about wine. They've got these wine merchant roles, which are amazing. The guy that, you know, is in there hosting all the tastings and, mm. you know, deciding what wine gets to be put in the store. And I'm like, that could be fun. Smash that role, yeah. <laughs> right. And there's yeah, movies at the end of my street. Like, let's go. Um, and I thought, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do with myself. And I kind of was just, you know, I spent probably the first month rearranging the furniture, emptying yeah. out my attic, cleaning out my spare room, what else can I do? Oh, I might do some cooking. Yeah, I'm really enjoying cooking. I kind of was just trying to ignore the fact that everything had gone to shit. And I'm like, well, if there's, there's no work to do, I might as well just make my house look awesome and do some gardening or something. Mm. Um, and I kind of just had like, um, not, everything's gone, everything's finished and I'm done. And then I thought, oh, wonder if someone would like to do a masterclass though. Like what if we tried like an online masterclass? Would that work? Mm-hmm. Um, and I put it out there. I did like a, a six pack um, and it was like, instead of going to someone's house and doing six wines in one night, we yep. do one wine a week for six weeks. So every Tuesday at seven o'clock, I've sent you a box of wine with all the tasting notes, all little tags saying week one, two, three, four, five, six on the wines. Uh-huh. And so, you know, seven o'clock on a Tuesday, all right, we're all hopping on the WebEx together yep. and we're going to, drink wine number one. I'm going to tell you all about it. We're going to taste it together. I'm going to ask you, you know, what can you smell? What can you taste? I'll tell you how this one's made. Um, And then next week we'll go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And I did that and it was actually really fun. And some nights, depending on the mood of the participants, uh, we were still going at 11 p.m. and we turned that into making cocktails and playing each other awesome tunes. Um, And... (laughs) Um, and other nights it would be like, mate, I'm really tired. I've had 18 other Zoom calls today. I'm going. Yeah, and it's yeah. fine. So I did that and it was good. And I thought, oh, there's probably something in that. 
Um, then we came out of the little lockdown and I thought, oh, maybe we'll open up again. And I've heard from two of my customers that ordered a little bit of wine and I thought, yeah. oh, maybe we're creeping back up. And then Bang. I went, oh, for God's sake. Mm. So I um, put together another masterclass within that networking group I was talking to you about. Those ladies were instrumental in basically putting a rocket up my butt going, come on, you've got this. You can do something with this. I would love to do a masterclass with you. This sounds awesome. You sound fun. Let's meet every Tuesday night and get on the Prosecco together. I'm like, righto then. So put together a class for these amazing kick-ass women and it's like when you play a game of tennis with someone that's better than you at tennis, it yes. really lifts your game. Yeah. That's how I felt about getting on this call with these ladies every week because even if we finished talking about the wine and we were just talking about what's happened today, what's, what's your win this week, whatever, mm. I would just be like, oh, man, I'm feeling so much better now about life and what's possible um, just through the feedback and enthusiasm of these amazing women and so it came to world prosecco day about oh when was that the date is like <laughs> I, can't even I, can't, I don't even know what today is <laughs> it was a couple of weeks ago maybe two yes. three weeks yeah uh, uh, anyway look at 12th of august or something mm. um what sort of prosecco queen am i if i can't remember that. <laughs> like my birthday um Anyway, I thought, right, I should do something around that. So I did, um, I said, because I've got an online store, I said, all right, World Prosecco Day is the code. And I sent it out to everyone in my database, mm -hmm. 4,000 people between the Prosecco Festival and my own Prosecco Queen events mm -hmm. that I've been building up for five years mm. or more, actually. Um, I was like, right, 20% uh, off anything in my store and I will deliver it to you if you're in Melbourne. Um, and then I put together a six-pack of the top six wines that sold, at the, the top six best-selling wines from the Prosecco Festival in a six-pack, again, delivered to wherever you are in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing I came up with was crossing live in a WebEx call to a winemaker in the Veneto where oh. we drink his wines together with him. Oh, that's and cool. I'm doing that tonight at 7pm. So I've spent the last week delivering a two-pack of this beautiful Chester Canillo Prosecco. There's a rosé Prosecco and then a, a normal one um, and, you know, tasting notes and everything. And we're all going to jump online tonight with the winemaker. And it's, it's clear blue skies and sunshine over there. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, we did a test call on Tuesday night and it was like being there i was like oh giovanni i feel like i'm in your tractor right there <laughs> like it was beautiful and i was like this is ace and so um and every single person that i delivered a bag to with the you know the wine bag with the bottles and everything they're like oh my god i'm so looking forward to this life it's so shit this is the only thing i have to look forward to and i'm like wow. okay so there's a lot of people out there that are really into this and mm. I've got a lot of friends on my own Facebook that are all hospo people and, sure. you know, journos. And I've been seeing all this, oh, my God, if I get one more request for someone to join a bloody wine toasting online. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, no, no one wants to do it. And then the response that I've had to this event and the number of people that were so excited about it, like one lady has bought 
eight packs for her colleagues um, from a big company. And so she's like, oh, my girls in my team, they're all so down. I want to do something fun with them. We're all getting online tonight. I mean, I've been sending packs up to Brisbane and down to Phillip Island and all over the place. Um, So they're like, oh, this is our one and exciting thing. We're all looking forward to it. We're all going to get dressed up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, baby, (laughs) this has got legs. So um, that's happening tonight. And then it's just kind of started snowballing from there. I've been asked by someone to do a blind wine tasting um, with questions and stuff. And I know there are some people doing that already where they basically send you a pack with all the questions and, like, the answers are sort of sealed up in an envelope and you just read them amongst yourselves on your call with your friends. Oh, that's cool. But this is um, hosted. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to basically be the quiz master and I'll be asking questions and giving people shit, obviously, because that's what I do. I'm kind of trying to inject a bit of fun and games into it, you know, doing multiple choice questions and all sorts of stuff. Um, So I'm going to be doing that for about 30 people and then someone else from my school that I used to go to um, knows that I do this kind of stuff because they kind of keep tabs on all the old girls and what they've been doing. Yeah. And they said, oh, we've got an event coming up in November and we're not going to be able to run it and we're wondering if you might like to host an online masterclass with us for 70 people. And I'm like, wow. Cool. Pretty sure I've got nothing on that night. <laughs> you know, so yes. yeah. I was thinking, my thinking has always been around this whole thing. Oh, well, as soon as the lockdown's over, it's only six weeks. People aren't going to want to be tied to the, the Tuesday night. I have to be there with Mel to do this bloody class. I'm busy yeah. now. I can go out. Mm. That's not been the case at all. Like the first yeah. lockdown, people wanted to keep doing it. Um, people know theoretically when we're getting out of stage four, but there's, we might just go back into stage three, which means we still can't go out. Still, yeah, still the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it looks like it's got legs. Yes. So all of the things that I was doing, I'm kind of just now doing online. Mm. The only thing I'm not doing is preparing food for people, which mm. is kind of okay. I don't think yeah. that's true. <laughs> However, I have been working with a guy called John the Oyster Bloke and I did um, a corporate um, masterclass for Optus. They were doing a, a roundtable with some of their clients and they wanted to do like the actual work presentations, all these different speakers, but they wanted sort of some light relief in between each one of the segments. And so they asked me to cho- choose three Victorian wines mm-hmm. um, and then sort of show each one in the break. So I, again, put together packs of glassware and all the wine and tasting notes. But then I also added unshucked oysters. Wow. So um, oysters from up in Lake Wanboy and they had all the bushfires up there and he, mm. what a bloody legend that bloke is, he's a good do- good guy. Um, I got him to get me some oysters and so everyone got um, half a dozen oysters wrapped up I sort of taught them how to shuck the oysters on this video call, but I also had John make a video for me that I played in the call yep. so that he sort of was doing a, yep. you know, how you do it and wiggle here and flip here and yeah. da da mm-hmm. um, So we had people shucking oysters live on this call. Wow. Um, and that led me to think that we could put together a little company, which I, because, <laughs> you know, I've got nothing yeah. but time right now. <laughs> um, started uh, registered the business name for the Oyster and Wine Co. And it's basically you get, a, I think we said two dozen unshucked, I can't remember how many, maybe it's one or two dozen unshucked oysters 
and a bottle of your choice of Prosecco, Sake or Chardonnay Ooh. and an oyster shucking knife, a tea towel, instru- instructions delivered to your door. For, yeah. It'll be under $100 because I'll probably do the delivery myself. Yeah. Um, and just because I like saying hi to random people. <laughs> but, yeah, and then you can get on, get on and have a little pack delivered to you where you can shuck your own oysters. So, um, yeah, so heaps That's of different cool. stuff happening um but now of course there's been all this torrential rain up in new south wales the entire coast there's not an oyster to be had oh wow <laughs> all, um mouths of all of the uh, inlets that the water that comes in from the ocean and goes into these big lakes they're all silted up they can't they've had so much rainfall the, the, the oyster, yeah, you just right. can't harm them so um so that's on hold until we can get some oysters um okay but uh it's all just sitting there ready to press go. So that's what's been <laughs> keeping That's what's me. been going on. That's good. I've still got my vintage caravan bar parked in my driveway. That, I, uh, I saw that online. That looks amazing. And, no, my little yeah. baby. Um, yeah, but there's nowhere to take that at the moment. So she's just sitting in the driveway with the uh, Jayco Hawk that also can't go anywhere. <laughs> Two caravans, no party. So, yeah. So, um, Mel, do, what's you, do you think that the event space and the fact that you don't have a bricks and mortar and event spaces don't usually have bricks and mortar sites, do you think the fact that they're also, you know, in trouble and, you know, you've obviously pivoted quite well and um, are doing okay um, at the moment, um, remarkable what you've done the last couple of months, <laughs> but, but do you... Um, do you get worried that the event space has been lost in the conversation and, and that we're just talking about the, hosp- the, the, hot- the hotel owners and, and, the, and the restaurant owners and the cafe owners who are doing it obviously so tough as well during this time and events have sort of been lost? I absolutely do. And I think, um, yeah, people like, and, it, and I was actually talking about this to my husband yesterday because I was dry, I had to drive all the way down to the Bellarine Peninsula and back and I was, we, uh, so I had time to chat on the phone and I was, mm. I was driving back on the Westgate freeway and I saw Harry the Hirer on the side at like oh, yeah. freeway and I went, Jesus, imagine how Harry's going. <laughs> Not too well. And I said, and we were actually talking about that exact thing and I was saying, you know, everyone's focused on, you know, the, the chefs with the loudest voices, the yeah. celebrity chefs, whoever's, you know, famous and getting a lot of airtime is like, oh, this is bad and all. Um, you know, I did an interview with Hillary McNevin where I was like, what about all the suppliers that didn't get mm. paid? Yeah, no joke. I mean, yes, you are doing it tough and I understand that you've lost all your customers, but I sold you wine six months ago that you still haven't paid for, yep. that you sold, yep. you've got the money for it and I'm still sitting here and you haven't paid yep. my bill. So mm. there's, and that goes for fruit and veg, that goes for seafood, that goes for, you know, dairy produce, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that have been forgotten about yeah. Um, that are like the back end of events and the back end of the hospitality um, industry. And, you know, people like, what about catering companies? I mean, yeah. even Pat Roland, what's, what are you yeah. going to do? Big trouble. You know, um, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's, I think he said his cousin makes the LED signs for all of the festivals. <laughs> like, okay, right. and what about AV guys? And what about... Yeah. You know, all those amazing event companies like On Point Events that put together all these incredible things like, uh, you know, the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival that just yeah. went, yeah. you know, 
people from the Grand Prix mm -hmm. that all just lost absolutely immense sums of money. That made me feel sick when I saw that all just going like a row of dominoes. I was like, mm. oh, mm. you know, that they bought all that food in and it's, you know, there's all these people, people that do, you know, party packs and, you know, bunting and just, you know, oh, so much mm. stuff behind the scenes. And, like, yeah, imagine all the event spaces that are just sitting there empty going, yeah, wow. what do we do now? Yeah. Even forward plan, like with my van, I had quite a number of events um, that were locked in for the rest of the year, um, yeah. you know, yeah. markets and festivals and gorgeous little regional things that we do, like up in Hillsville and we do, we've been doing a beautiful market out at Tarawara that's an arts event that goes over two days and that got, you know, canned and um, just so many different things like that where we're just sitting there going, hmm. What are we doing? You know? So, yeah, and I don't know how we come back from that. Like, yes, people will be allowed to go back to restaurants eventually in some sort of weird masked way. Mm. But how can you do a wine tasting event? How can you do, like, um, Dan Sims, mate of mine, who does, you know, Pinot Palooza? How, how, how can you do that? Yeah. How is that going to look when it's all about sipping and swirling and spitting wine out? Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do that again? If that's the case, then, you know, can the Prosecco Festival even be a thing? I can't really see how we can do that online. Mm. Although I've got a little bit of time to think about it, so you never know. <laughs> You've done what you have so far. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, so events has just been dire. Like yeah. so many facets of people's livelihoods that that's all they do. Like I was thinking even the guy that supplies my beautiful white tablecloths for the, yeah. you know, what is he doing? Mm. Hotels and events. Yeah. Well, there's no yeah. one going. Both going right. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's and and I was saying to my girlfriend the other day, who was made redundant from a big wine importing company mm -hmm. um, because they just had to close big, and they had to restructure, and there was you know, right. and she's worked in food and wine PR forever. Wow. She's like, I can't get a job because there's no food and wine to PR. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There's no subject matter. There's no content. There's no, there's nothing to talk about and no one can do that right now. Mm. So there's all these different parts that are just affected by it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, there's so many forgotten parts of the economy, I think, that people don't think about. Yes, totally agree. Mm. Melissa, what are a couple of the misconceptions about Prosecco? <sighs> I was very curious why you start, why you had the love affair with Italy to start with and, and why you went there, but, but Prosecco um, has been one of those things which has been um, quite wrongly sort of down the pecking order of what people talk yes. about with wine, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah. in another time, maybe it would be the level of champagne in the way that people talk about well, it. Well, this is the thing. And when I, first, when I first tried it, I just thought fun, affordable, approachable. Great. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then the more I got to know, the more I realised that it's so much more than that. Um, and the only reason why people in Australia don't realise how complex and incredible it can be is purely because that offering hasn't been available to them. Mm -hmm. So if you went into Dan Murphy's, for example, and I just use them for an example because they are, you know, large, um, they have quite a big range now, but the majority of it 
the Italian stuff is the more affordable sort of lower end, if you like, of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like anyone, you know, you can drink a $10 Jacob's Creek Shiraz yes. or you can drink a Penfolds Grange. Yes. Yeah. Same grapes, mm-hmm. hundreds if not thousands of dollars difference yes. in that wine. Yes. It's any wine is like that. You can have a, you know, a really cheap, disgusting Chardonnay that's been made with wood shavings to give it an oak taste right up to, you know, Giaconda, Mount Mary, whatever. So it's the same with Prosecco. It's the same with any wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Prosecco that I wanted to, to find out more about when I knew that it existed was the the DOCG. So the, it's like the Grand Cru of Prosecco. The okay. um, the the DOCG means it's handpicked. Mm-hmm. It's from that denoted area. There's only two places it can be from in the whole of Italy, mm-hmm. and those two places are in the Veneto. One is Arzolo, which is one kind of region over this end of the valley, and up the other end is Valdobbiadene and Conegliano. They're the two towns, and there's a valley in between them, and that's the the Prosecco Road. Mm-hmm. So they can only be the grapes can only be from there. Yes. Um, and then they have to be made a certain way. They're only allowed to have a certain amount of um, other grapes in there. It's up to 15%, but they have to be grapes that are naturally or natively occurring in the region. Mm-hmm. So um, it has to be 85% of the Prosecco or Glera grape. Um, the misconceptions that people have is that it's only cheap mm-hmm. and that it's only sweet. Yes. And the reason that people think it's only cheap because that's only what they've seen. It's yes. now that, and I'm stoked, and I actually did a little video um, sort of Instagram live with the wine merchant from Dan Murphy's up in Alkington recently. Mm-hmm. Um, they've started putting on more and more DOCG Prosecco. So there's more choice. People can spend a little bit more, but they'll get an exceptionally good wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other problem is that the way that Italian wine is labelled, the Prosecco, is that it'll say brut or it'll say extra dry. Now, if you're a normal, logical, rational person, you would think extra dry means it's going to be extra dry. Yes. As in really dry, as in not very sweet. Yes. (laughs) Um, That's not specifically true. And this is why I have a job teaching people about Prosecco because it's only extra dry compared to, say, Moscato. It's not yes. extra dry compared to other Prosecco. Mm-hmm. So extra dry is actually sweeter than a Brut. So if someone has said, oh, well, I tried Prosecco once and I thought it was going to be dry and it was too sweet, so I don't like it. Yeah. And I said, let me guess. You went to the bottle shop and you went, hmm, extra dry. That's what I'm after. <laughs> it's actually got 12 to 15 grams of residual sugar and extra dry. Whereas a Brut is the same as champagne. Whenever you drink a champagne, it almost always says Brut. Mm-hmm. And that just means it's got, say, 7 to 10 grams of residual sugar in it. Yes. So uh, if you like the sweetness of, of a champagne or the lack of, you'll get a Brut Prosecco because it's that same sugar level. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Extra Dry is the next step up. And it's by no means sweet. I mean, we're talking... 12 to 15 grams of residual sugar versus Moscato, which is 65 to 85 grams. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's like 50 billion times more sugar yes. in a Moscato. So if you can think of that as that's what Italians call sweet, mm. anything that's not that is dry. That's a great way to put it. 
So that's, yeah. but it's so confusing. And so all these people are like, yes, well, I tried an extra dry and it wasn't extra dry at all. I'm like, I know. It's very confusing. Um, and so that's where that misconception comes from because, and the other thing is people actually get Moscato and Prosecco mixed up as well. Yes. And yes. go, oh, I didn't like it's that. Same bucket, right? No, I yeah. didn't think you had Moscato. You didn't have Prosecco. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, the misconceptions are that it's too sweet and that it's just cheap. And if you tried, and I, I actually, you know, when I hear people say, oh, it's just the poor man champagne, and there's a lot of snobbery around it. There's people like, oh, Sega, you wouldn't catch me drinking that rubbish. <laughs> I was like, well, if you think it's rubbish, you obviously haven't had the right one, and I'm here to help you with that. Um, and one of the things about doing the private masterclass is that it's all, almost always a husband and wife with another, another two couples husband and wife so their wives are all about it they're like yeah of course like do i really have to do this this girly drink (laughs) you know what do you want me to drink rubbish for and i turn up and i'm like right well this one's got no sugar in it this one's a bottle fermented super you know it's called metodo ancestrale it's this confondo this crazy old school cloudy it's almost like drinking a cooper's or a cider (laughs) and the guys are like oh god hang on Actually, this is really good. Oh, can I have some of that one? Can we order some of that afterwards? <laughs> yeah. So I love challenging people's perceptions about it and just giving them that, um, you know, when you do a masterclass like that and you can put them side by side and have five or six of them, suddenly people are like, oh, okay, wow, there's so much more that is to this than I thought. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not just going to sit there and go, hey, yeah, you want to try this? It's like a UDL. Let's smash that. Like that. <laughs> That's not, there's no way you can have a business doing that. So um, the reason it works is because I'm able to demonstrate all those different styles side by side and and have that conversation around, well, what did you think of this one compared to the one you just last tasted sort of thing? So, um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. Once you delve into it, there's a lot to be said. And also it comes from one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my life like it's just crazy beautiful mm. and hey everyone wants to serve you for a second so what's bad about that there's, there's definitely nothing wrong with that melissa um before i let you go <laughs> before i let you go i'm um asking um every every guest at the moment what they're looking forward to most um post lockdown that they aren't able to do now they're really looking forward to going oh. back and doing after after lockdown's finished. So what are you, what are your biggest thoughts there? I just want to go out for dinner with my husband and my friends and drink wine. That's not in my own house (laughs) and have someone else cook my dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I miss going out. I miss my friends. I just, I miss hugs. Yeah. Um, And the worst thing for is that August seems to have been the months of my life for the last 10 years where I've been away somewhere. Yeah. whether it was in Italy or Paris or whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, I hate Facebook memory right now because it's like an alternate universe. It's never oh, yeah. going to yeah. come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like I feel like we're going back to the 80s, like when I was at school and there was like, you know, we would go on our family holidays, we'd pack up the car and go and stay in a caravan park and, um, you know, learn to water ski on the Gippsland Lakes for two weeks or, you know, wherever. And there would be a few girls from school that are like, oh, yeah, I went to Fiji, you know. <laughs> and you're like, wow, going on a plane. Like, your parents must be so rich. And now I feel like this has wiped us all back to caravan land. 
I mean, we're not, not, we can't leave Australia. Mm. Um, at this point, we can't even leave Victoria. I actually, no, the, the way my expectations <laughs> have gone down, yeah. I mean, I was supposed to be hosting a tour in May to Italy for 10 women for a 50th birthday. It was a private tour that I was hosting seven nights in the Venice. So I ended up ending up in Venice having lunch at a Michelin star restaurant in the oh. middle of the lagoon and this tiny little island. Wow. And um, now I was getting excited about a caravanning trip to Naruma <laughs> and I don't even think I'm going to do that. I'm like, I've hit oh, like dear. peak loser right now. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm like, you know, so the idea of being able to go overseas, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to come up with five grand for a, for an airfare to Italy or whatever it's going to cost. Yeah. You know, it was 1600 bucks earlier this year. Mm. I'm like, are we ever going to be able to go away as a family again? Cause that's, it's going to cost 10 times more. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. So I think there's going to be a lot of domestic tourism. Um, mm. And uh, I feel very thankful that we bought a caravan when we did. <laughs> I think it's going to get a workout. I feel a bit envious now. You've got a caravan, um, Melissa. Thanks so much for. Um, <laughs> thanks. Not so that we can use it. <laughs> that's true. Um, thanks so much for joining me. How's what's the best way that people can find out about everything that you do online? Um. So my website is www.theproseccoqueen.com.au. I have Instagram, I have Facebook, um, occasionally a bit of Twitter. And, um, yeah, and the Prosecco Festival's got its own website as well and it's got its own bottle shop, which has got all of the wines from the festival on it if people want to get involved that way. And, yeah, I just, I, you know, if people want to jump on my mailing list and they'll get all the information of my next whatever it is that I concoct to do <laughs> <laughs> i look i look forward to seeing what you do next and uh thank you for what you've done for the prosecco industry and for being such a positive energy on this podcast so thanks ah, thank you thanks for having me